Welcome to the Gen X Women's Guide to Love podcast. I'm your host, Shonda Howard, and I'm going to teach you exactly how to stop attracting all of the wrong men so you can meet and marry the man of your dreams. Let's get started. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I hope you're having a beautiful week. And today I have a very special guest with you, a friend and colleague, I guess we'll call her. Her name is Kendra Williams. And Kendra is a former Silicon Valley professional turned motherhood coach. And she does incredible work with mothers, but that's not actually why I asked her to come on the podcast today. So I know Kendra from Instagram. We are social media friends, which I think is pretty normal in this day and age, right? You you become friends with people on social and then you kind of take it into your real life. But Kendra has a very interesting and unique story about how her coaching journey actually helped her transform her marriage. And I'm going to let her tell you her story because it's just so unique and so interesting. And I think it's going to be really powerful for all of you. So Kendra, thank you for coming here. How are you today? I am so good. Thank you for having me on. I'm I'm so excited. I have no idea what's going to pop out, but I'm sure it's going to be juicy. I know. I love interviews actually, because that's my philosophy too, is like, we're going to jump in and we're going to see yeah. where the conversation takes us. <laughs> um, so we're on the same page there. So Kendra, why don't you fill all of the listeners in and tell them who you are? What is your story? What is the work you do? And then you can kind of lead us into that piece around your relationship too. Absolutely. I would love to share. I'm Kendra. I'm a mother. Obviously, I've got two kids, a three and a five-year-old. And before I entered the world of motherhood, I was, like Shonda said, Silicon Valley professional, super go-getter. I I did the startup life for a very long time and then ended at a a bigger uh, networking company. And I crushed it. I was so good. I would always say, I'm good at everything I do. I Why wouldn't I be good at motherhood? And I think already some of your mother listeners might relate to that. It's like, why wouldn't I be good? As long as I'm trying and I have really great intentions, of course, I'm going to be great. Well, I entered motherhood and I said, I'm just going to take six months of maternity leave. So mm-hmm. six months off, like I'm going to quote unquote, you know, do the right thing, enjoy my son, and then I'll go back. And I remember back then saying to people, but don't worry, I'm coming back. Like, don't worry. At the time, look, I didn't know that I was undervaluing entering motherhood. Like, mm-hmm. I really wanted to go back to my career. I wanted the, the sales numbers. I wanted the bonuses. I wanted the support, like the validation. And I wasn't getting that in motherhood. So at the core, that's what started the kind of rebirth of myself and into all my co- coaching certifications and how I help women find themselves. But as I continued my inner work, I started to come out of this more masculine doing energy mm-hmm. where I used to be happily working 65 hours a week, happily. Wow. And now I'm like, of course, I don't want to do that. Like I have kids, like I, I, I want to work, but not at that level. And that was this inroad to me kind of dancing between what is the masculine energy in my life and the feminine energy in my life. And the one thing that's totally going to get messed up when you start tinkering with that is your relationship. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So as I got more into the being mode of life, being present, seeing my time with my kids as quote unquote productive, even though I couldn't show anything for it other than 
them breathing and living and smiling. That yeah. is massive, but definitely not how I saw it before. So as I became <laughs> the caterpillar going into the butterfly, I came out on the other end, not even valuing those masculine qualities I had before. Oh. And I was the financial provider pre-motherhood. I owned the house. He moved into my house. Wow. Okay. And not that he's feminine. He he is a male and he, you know, he's all the things, but he was, I was more the leader and I had sunk into, I don't want to be the leader. I kind of want to be led yeah. in this relationship. And he was not used to that. And yeah. I changed all the rules. I essentially went into the, the script of our relationship and said, everything's different. And he was like, what the heck just happened? I was just supporting you so well. And he never made me feel bad for doing my inner work and all of the things. But suddenly I was like, yo, dude, you gotta, for lack of shit or get off the pot. Like, honestly, like, right, right. I, I would say you're supporting me out of your life. You're supporting me out of your life. I'm, I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. And you don't need to do the things I'm doing, but you need to do something or else this isn't going to work. Wow. Very God. That's, that's the spark notes of yeah. relationship. So tell me, I think this is really interesting because, you know, I work with Gen X women and that's just like funny. Cause we talk about this all the time. Like, are we Gen X or millennials? Right. I'm, I'm definitely identify as Gen X. Most of my clients are Gen X. I do have some millennials, but I work with women that are either looking to create and call in a new partnership because they're getting to a certain stage in their life and they're realizing all of these relationships I've had have not been good and they're not the one and they're not relationships that have the qualities that I want to see long-term in my life or they're women that are in partnership and they're kind of waking up a little bit and they're looking at their marriage or their partnership and they're saying, something is missing here. Like Mm -hmm. I am just not happy. So would you mind walking me through, walking us through kind of what was the, the state of your marriage pre-kids? Like, did you have any indication that there were any issues? Were you guys happy? And then once you moved into that phase of kids, how did that kind of affect all of it? Well, this is where it gets really real because we had a good relationship before kids. Yeah. We were together uh, six years before kids and going along with my very masculine, I would say toxic masculine qualities. I never wanted to get married. And I kind of felt like we were playing life together. Like he was a fun and attractive and nice partner. We, we, we did life together really well. Yeah. But if we were to get really honest in our insecure attachment styles, we weren't actually connected back then. Uh, we both knew that we wanted more out of the other person, like a deeper connection. Um, but we would always be blaming the other person. I need you to show up. I need you to da, 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 you know, but then also I wasn't giving that as well because I was unsafe doing that. He yeah. wasn't unsafe. My childhood was, and the patterns were playing out. So when I look back, I say we were playing life together really well. Mm-hmm. We were like blissful, like it wasn't a romance movie, but it was a nice relationship. Yeah. When we entered motherhood, all of the big T trauma that I thought I had to work through in therapy was all in my, I'd only done the the head awareness work. I hadn't done the body work. So Mm -hmm. it all came back up. And I think what happened was I became more me, the me for the first time I earned my secure attachment with all of the different modalities. And I finally said, Hey, you were a really good match. We both didn't really want to be seen 
I didn't want you to see my innermost world. And that's why we were a great match before, Mm. honestly. And then now it's like, like I said, I rewrote the code of the relationship. I said, I know what it's like to be seen. I know what it's like through my container, my coaching containers and my healing. I know what it's like to be in a safe nervous system, safe, relaxed relationship. And he wasn't able to offer that. Mm. So what I was asking from him was like, you know, go do some deep healing and you can't ask anybody to do that. And that's why it led to the separation. It was like, we were this amazing match before we, we were perfect. So wait, so tell us, because we haven't really formally introduced this, this story yet. Right. So you go through motherhood, you guys have this nice relationship. It works. It's not like the deeply connected fairy tale. You go into motherhood. It brings all your crap up to the surface, which not a motherhood podcast, but I talk about this all the time. I'm always like, "Ah," you know, like, cause that's definitely happening for me right now. You go through that. It brings your stuff to the surface. You do deeper healing. You look at your partner and you're like, okay, wait, now we're not lining up, right? Because I've done all this healing and I'm a different version and my needs are different. My expectations are different. What I'm willing to kind of deal with in the relationship is different. So you reach that phase and then what happens? Man, it gets to a point where I saw that if we stayed together, or if we split, that both would be a great scenario. Really? Yeah. Because when I met him, he wasn't making money and he was in debt and all the things. And I got him into the Silicon Valley life. Yeah. Not to say that one is better than the other or anything, but I got his outer shell kind of quote unquote successful. Yeah. But if I'm being honest, like I already shared, I wasn't fully connected to myself or blissfully happy back then. I wasn't happy inside, but I, I did. I was checking the boxes outside. Yeah, And then when I entered motherhood, he supported me on the inside. He wasn't my coach, my healer, or my guide in any way. He financially supported me. He never guilted me or shamed me when I just needed to nap and cry and be a, a housewife, essentially. Yeah. I had two kids. I was a stay-at-home mom. I had two kids in daycare, and I was home mm-hmm. working. And he never made me feel bad. Like, he's got the biggest heart. Yeah. and. That's why I said, you know, you're going to support me out of your life because I can feel myself shifting and transforming. And I love that you're supportive. And I'm lucky a lot of husbands and partners wouldn't or couldn't, even if they wanted to be this type of supportive. Yeah. Um, And it got to the point where I was, you know, here's a book for you or here's podcast. You know, you're doing that. Like, let me just dribble and sprinkle some possible things to guide you. (laughs) And, but it's with strings attached. And if you didn't read the book, then I'm harboring resentment. And it got to a point where it's like, I, in my own journey, I'm not going to beg to be seen and I'm not going to make him wrong anymore for not seeing me. And it just got honestly so painful on a day-to-day basis to be so unseen that it was, I mean, almost to the year, it was a couple days before Thanksgiving. We literally could not wait any longer to initiate a separation. And, um, for those that do have kids, my kids were two and uh, two and three at the time and or no three and four, whatever, very young, but they were picking up on our energy and their behaviors were getting out of control. My oldest is neurodivergent. And so it's already a struggle. The day we cut the energetic cord and said, we are separated, the whole house took a breath. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, it was not a hard decision and that we both knew we need to initiate this and see what happens. 
because we can't continue on as is. So just thinking about that time, was it mostly initiated by you or was it a mutual choice or were you the one coming to this and being like, I have gotten to a place where it's not bad to walk away and it's not bad to stay, but I need more. So we need to separate. Technically, if we want, I initiated, but his immediate response was, yeah, I know. And that went into the relationship. I was like, I wanted him to be the leader. And I'm like, again, I'm even exiting the leader. I was like, ah, he, there was no pushback. We were just both crying with a sadness of, yeah, we think this is really over. And we sat in that sadness for, I will say like two days. And we turned, most people who go through things, we turned to Google. What is a trial separation? What do we do? And then we learned that since my kids were the neurodivergent, I wasn't going to be moving out. There was no hostility. I, I knew I was going to move into the guest room that legally we weren't even separated. <laughs> because <laughs> right. I was like, right. And I'm like, okay, so shoot, we really, this is a blessing and a curse. We need to make up our own rules and our own guidelines for what does this mean for us? Yeah. Looking back, that was the beginning of this second relationship that we have. Because as we looked at it, we're like, is, why are we even doing this? Is this really the beginning of the divorce? And we're just, we both can admit it. Or like, what, why are we saying trial? And two days in, we decided to change the view of let's pretend that we literally just met. And if I woke up next to a man, I just met, how would I look at that man? What would I say to that man? Yeah. I can't bring in like the rules were set that you're not allowed truly to bring in anything from the past. Yeah. Make any assumptions. And we, I say we dated all day (laughs) because it's not like going on dates, the hashtag date your spouse again. Like that's, that's not the deep work. The deep work is how do you greet them in the morning? Do I thank him? And do I show appreciation for this specific thing? I express what my new boundaries are. Like it was like, our separation was the best part of our entire 12 year relationship because we were so intentional mm. on a day-to-day basis, like wow. our basis. Wow. So, oh, so much good stuff here. Okay. So I want to rewind for a second and I'm curious, how would you summarize the catalyst for you? What was the thing that was missing for you that made you look at the relationship and go, this isn't enough? It's not working. Yeah, I know exactly what the answer to this is. So I have a certification in neuro-linguistic programming. And while I got that certification, I did in-person trainings. Yep. And both of the trainings I went through had 150 people. And I felt more connected to these strangers than I ever did with my husband. Wow. So it wasn't even like an, uh, a physical intimacy. It was like, wow, these people see me. It's possible for people to see me yeah. and I'm safe being seen. And I would rather be alone than be with someone who can't see me anymore. Yeah. And what do you think? I mean, that's so, so profound, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling, even if you're in a relationship that's working really well, as mm-hmm. you grow and shift and change, there are going to be moments where you're wanting somebody to see you more, to pay more attention. And certainly, by the way, as I've gone through my matrescence journey and our relationship has changed, that has come up for me at times. Yeah. I happen to have a really devoted partner who's devoted to his own healing as well. So 
he is a very soft place for all of that to land and willing to, to meet me there. But I know that a lot of women experience this. And by the way, I think that that's like a core need of all of us, like deep down inside, isn't that exactly what we all want and need is like to feel seen. Yeah. We want to feel seen and loved and safe. Yeah. Yeah. But as that was sort of the driving force behind it all, what were the symptoms that you were looking for? What were you looking for him to do to show you that he saw you? What was it that you wanted outwardly? Oh my gosh. I, how do I describe it? The symptom actually was me sharing and him ending the conversation. It felt at the time I would receive it. Like I want, you're not sharing a piece of you back and it's not, he wasn't even repeating anything. Oh, that's interesting. It was always this well-intentioned, wow, I'm so proud of you. That's an amazing epiphany you had on that. Or I'm, I'm proud of you. Yeah. Period. And then we go on. I'm like, I just, I just had like, my life just changed. He saw me in the mothering. I will, I will, I always separate the marriage from the mothering. Your parenting relationship absolutely affects your marriage. Yeah. But um, I will, I'm going to just tangent real quick that the fact that he's a 50, 50, most present, amazing father mm-hmm. was one of the reasons I put on the pro list for separating. Cause I was like, if there's anyone in this world, I want to split time with, with my children. It's him. It's him. Yeah. And so, and people are like, Oh my God, I would die if my husband participated. And I'm like, well, yeah, but that's just the parenting. Yeah. I still was an invisible woman in my own life. I, I was a very visible mother and it was supported for that. But I, I mean, that's the whole thing with my own coaching is we are not just mothers. <laughs> I yeah. am a whole woman. I have yeah. needs, I have desires. I have wants outside of my kids. And mm. he couldn't see anything outside of the kids, which is again, great. But I'm like, can you not take enough. any interest in this? Not that you need to go read the book on my weird witchy stuff. <laughs> but, um, just, it felt like I was talking to a wall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not that he needed to care. It's just that the energy wasn't there to receive or anything. Wow. So you guys go into this like trial separation and then you change the game and you decide, okay, we're going to basically pretend, which by the way, I love that. And I use that with clients all the time. This sort of idea of like, you know, my background is acting. I was an actor for like 15 years. And so I, I, I'm like, how we're going to access this new person that you're becoming is we're just going to pretend you're going to pretend you're an actress. You're just playing the part, but of the the confident woman, right? The, the, this, the, that, but for you, you decide we're going to pretend like we just met and where did that come from? Did you just, was that like a download that you got? You were like, (laughs) how to shift everything? Like, where did this come from? Uh, call it a download. I, the, I'm telling you those first two days, while a bunch of energetic pressure was released from my house, it yeah. felt, it still felt really dark. Like, okay, this is just the step before the official paperwork of separation. And I was just looking for a way to make this align with the energy I had. Like, I want to give this one last shot. And we set a three month mark on it, our own made up rule because it's, we thought six months was too long. We'll know. And people go, Oh, so are you guys great now? And I'm like, no, we just started dating nine months ago. Like we're, we're babies again, yeah. but it, it was a download. And it, another thing was him starting to plan dates that we actually cared about that I cared about. Yeah. Our, our first date was actually a, what do you call it? A, 
sensory deprivation chamber. Oh, great. And I'm like, oh, wow, you really get me. This is literally right up my alley. So yeah. we went into our own tanks and we had on, it sounds probably silly to some people listening to this, but call it more downloads. When you are have the sensory deprivation, we had the most in-depth lunch discussion after that down sharing what had come up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is the most open he had ever been with his experience of anything. It almost felt like, but it, it was like, you no, know, you pick it. If you want to court me, like you've got, you're courting me. Yeah. I've been courting you for years. You're yeah. courting me. And I don't, and to be honest, I said, even, I don't want to date you. Mm-hmm. Like you're, I see him physically being physically attractive, but like, I don't feel any, like I, if I, I wouldn't go on a second bumble date with you right now or whatever. Right. <laughs> so you've got some making up to do. So that's why we went on a weird date, which is something that was very aligned with me and it ended yeah. up magical. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I love that. So what do you think? So tell us now kind of how that the rest of that unfolded and where you're at now. So during the separation, I will share that he joined a group men's program. Yeah. So, and it really, he had some really big epiphanies. He actually shared them with me. Not to say that you do one program and, or I needed him to do anything, but it really felt like he was doing it for him because the, the reality of me not being his wife person was very real. And it was almost like, if you want someone like me, then you almost got to be someone someone like me would want to be with. So yeah. he did a lot of work and it was a 12 week program that kind of aligned with our time off. And we decided at the three month mark, we absolutely definitely wanted to stay together. We were, we did feel like we had just started dating, but it was yeah. like, yes, we are willing to not date this intensely. Cause like we have kids in life, but we are willing to do the work to really keep this together. And I love this part. We did a closing ceremony for the first 11 years of our relationship. And for us, what that meant was think about when you get married, you like sign the paperwork, like that's you actually married and getting walking down the aisle and doing the vows is the ceremony ritual. So we actually wrote vows. Um, What were they? They were what we were grateful for from that relationship, what we were letting go of, what we learned. Yeah. As as individuals, we're going to bring to this next chapter of our relationship. And we went to a beautiful lake here in Colorado and read them together. And it was so, it was beautiful. It really felt like a true energetic clearing of the slate. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. So, so how long then did it take you? So you guys go through the trial separation, you start dating, it's, it's going well, <laughs> from, from the, you know, he's in the room next door. It's going well. Yeah. You're like, I think this could be going somewhere, right? No, I'm kidding. But so you guys go through that. And then at the three month mark, what did you feel was different? What had shifted and how were you feeling? God, everything. Um, there was so much more respect between the two of us. I mean, just harboring the quiet resentment of you don't see me and I, you don't see me. And we're just two little kids stonewalling each other. We had earned back respect for each other. There was a lot of safety that was built, not only in sharing his growth with me, but in really talking about boundaries and expectations. 
Um, during our separation, I, I was in the guest room and he, I made it up. I made, I made everything up, but since I initiated, I'm like, I'll move out since I initiated. Yeah. Um, and we only talked when it was scheduled. Like we didn't wow. watch TV next to each other. And people are like, I already feel like I'm living with a roommate. And I'm like, but are you laying next to them, scrolling, resenting them? Yeah. I'm cool. I'm in my own room. He's out. And if he wanted right. to watch a movie with me, he had to, or vice versa. We would ask the other person to actually watch a movie, like think back to dating in high school or something. It was so intentional. And even the smallest requests or bids for attention had to be like requested. Like, so we both found our voice more. Um, He was more in the bubble. Like, I miss you. He wanted to kiss me. And I'm like, honestly, I don't even feel comfortable doing that. And I had to say that in a loving way in the beginning. Yeah. And then, and to get back into that. So we, it was like this vortex of growth for us where we felt more safe and more connected and more respected. That's what happened. That was the outcome of like, yeah, let's do this. Let's do life. Let's try again at doing life together. Yeah. And what would you say? So were you expecting that? Was that your expectation when you went into this, we'll call it experiment? Absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. Because remember, like I knew that we weren't this blissful romantic relationship. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I remember being a new mom and I was a stay at home mom at a play group and there was like eight or 10 of us. And they're like, you know, like whatever the stat was, I'm going to mess it up. One in four, two in four marriages end after parenthood. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, it's going to be me. Oh, wow. Like I just had it playing. Yeah. Forever. And I'm like, okay, well, it's, it's time to play this out. And I, I guess, honestly, my expectations were, it wasn't going to work. Wow. But I wanted to give it, I really did want to give it the last try because even what we would do, we wouldn't break up. It's like, dude, we need to do something. We need to get better. We need to come together. And he would always say, well, you're not giving a hundred percent. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not. I don't yeah. want it. Yeah. I don't want it. So I said, I'm going to finally freaking do it. Wow. <laughs> And it actually changed things. <laughs> it worked, right? Which is, I feel like not the story that you normally hear. But what I think is so interesting, because again, I work with a lot of women who are looking to transform their relationship, but you know, the narrative is always, it's that scrolling on the couch, resenting their partner, looking at him. Yeah. Well, he's not doing it. He's not showing up. He's not telling me I love you. He's not, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so as you think about your journey, right, this is so profound because what was it in you? What was your journey internally, right? That allowed you to get to a place of being willing to walk away from that. And then also creating space for the relationship to transform. Yeah. So it is, it's, it's deep. I feel like it's profound and it's also simple. Um, yeah. And the last three years, like my, my deep healing and motherhood and all the things, for three years. And there were so many triggers that really took me out. Mm-hmm. I did not know how I was going to come back up. Yeah. And each time I feel like I came back up a little higher for myself. I had my own back. I had proven to myself, not that in the old Kendra, I'm independent. I don't need anyone. I could do it all by myself, but I was, I built up this inner worth and this inner confidence. Mm-hmm. That I am worthy of this relationship that I'm desiring. Yep. And the 
the, I guess the caveat is this is another, the actual juicy details. I wasn't making any money when I decided to leave him. Yeah. And people tell me all the time, it's such a privilege to leave. Like, I, I don't know. I, I have kids and I don't have any income. And I'm like, neither did I, <laughs> neither did I, I just knew that this wasn't the route that I wanted to live my life anymore. Yeah. And I also can take into account divorce is easier on the children under a certain age. And I'm like, we either do this or we do it later. I really just accept, I believe, I believed in myself and his inability or ability to see me didn't affect me anymore. Yeah. Because it sounds like you weren't looking to him for that anymore. You were like, I see myself, I'm worthy. I know I'm going to take care of me. I'm going to have my own back. And like, you're not going to do that. Okay. Like then I'm going to go. Right. I need to be all right. And we didn't have, we didn't break up a million bajillion times. I've never done this, but I had, I didn't just have friends or life. I had my safe, I had my coach that I've had for like three or two years now or whatever it is. I I knew I had the supports in place that it was going to be so hard, like logistically hard, financially hard, sharing that everything was going to be hard, but that I knew I could get through it. And that this was also modeling what a, a real relationship would look like to my children. We both knew it's not that anything was bad. Nothing was good. And we were modeling the most shallow of relationships. And we don't want to, we didn't want to model it. We both did not want to model that. Yeah. And I'm going to say it was like this all the time. It wasn't that we had highs and lows. And so I left because we were at a low. It was just always low. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of women can relate to that. Yeah. You know, yeah. especially if you have been together for a long time or if you have children and you don't have the awareness, the conscious tools, all of the the support, all of that to to start to realize all of that and give that to yourself. And, you know, it's a lot of deep inner healing work. Yeah. I think one of the conscious, the tenets of conscious living or conscious parenting is when faced with a situation you don't like, you can only do three things or only three things you could ever do. You can accept it, mm-hmm. you can change it, or you can leave it. Yeah. A lot of people get tripped up at the second step thinking that we're going to change them. I'm going to change my kid. I'm going to change and my that's, husband. That's That was going to actually be what I, what I was going to ask you is because I can hear my clients being like, yeah, I want to change this. So how yeah. do I change it? They have to change. So what's yeah. your answer to that? The hardest answer you don't want to hear, it's you. You know, I was trying to change my husband with, here's the book, here's the podcast. Let me share something with you. And maybe this will like unlock a little something for you. Like I was sharing with the strings attached. Yeah. And it was like, I needed to do my own inner work. The change is when I started dating him, if I want to him to say, I love you in the morning, I got to say, I love you in the morning. (laughs) I know us moms are like, dude, another thing you want me to do another thing. And it's like, if, if we can get our ego calmed down, mm-hmm. if you really want them to do that, you're going to benefit too. And it starts, it always starts with you. The change is you. And if they don't change ever, and you don't change, then you leave. Yeah. I, did that. I, I couldn't accept it. Tried to change him. Finally, I wouldn't say change. I transformed myself. And then I initiated the leaving. Yeah. yeah. As simple and as torturous is that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, what do you think? So, because I'm, I'm just thinking about all of the women that I know and that I work with and that are in the audience here and the kind of move that you made to, to move into the next bedroom, that was sort of your path, right? That was your divine. Yeah. And 
it made sense and it did unfold. But what would your advice be? And what were the takeaways for you of if you are in a relationship, if you're speaking to a woman who's in a relationship and she's going this, there's gotta be more than this. Like I am not happy and I'm not seen and I don't know what to do. And I don't want to leave my partner Mm -hmm. and what's next. You know, the first part I would say is outside of your sexual relationship, find a place to be seen. Mm-hmm. If it's a women's circle, if it's a coach, if it's a hobby, if it's a meetup, find a place where you can feel seen because a lot of us in general, we've been raised that our man is supposed to be everything. The lover, the the cooker and the cleaner and planning the date nights and everything and my best friend. And yeah, we, we do want that connection. We do want to feel seen, but we do also not, we need to stop putting so much pressure on yeah. them as, a whole, as whatever your intimate relationship is. They're just one person. Yeah. And I think having that safe space for yourself just gives you so much clarity on whatever it is you want to do. No one can tell you what's going to be the right, right thing for you to do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think safe space for yourself. Find, don't find a replacement man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> find somewhere to be seen because that's where you get to start taking action and sharing your truths. And that's, it's, things will present themselves. Your, your path will present itself. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Moving forward, right. As you have used, as you've created this beautiful partnership, it's completely different relationship and what a gift to both you, your husband and your kids, by the way. But Mm -hmm. as you've done that and you continue to move forward, how do you approach things differently? Like what's the takeaway for you from that whole experience? Oh man. I think we can see it in our communication style. I think communication is the biggest difference is we just didn't speak up for ourselves in the relationship. Yeah. And if I say something, if I undermine him in front of the kids or something, or, you know, or he'll say that whether I agree or disagree, it doesn't matter on, but he is, he's coming like, dude, can you not say that in front of the kids? Mm-hmm. Can we just wait until after? And I'm like, oh, because before he would have never said anything. Yeah. He would have just walked around being resentful. I'd be like, dude, two days later, he'd finally share something. And I'm like, well, I have no idea what you're talking about now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's literally just the little things. Like it is different. Like if you had, if you were a fly on the wall in my house, it it just, the day-to-day dance is different because there's that respect I talked about. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, it's ironic. I did an Instagram live like a month ago and it was the morning after we had our first big fight and it was about to, it was about talking about our relationship. I'm like, well, this is ironic, but we had like our honeymoon phase is over. So here we are. <laughs> no, it's, it's funny. Cause it honestly is true. We started this brand new relationship and you know, our kid was starting kindergarten. We had a lot of big, like regular, normal family transitions, kind of trying to distract us away from ourselves. And finally we exited our honeymoon phase part two, but the difference really is our communication style and the respect because we're on, we're literally on the same team now. Yeah. Yeah. We really are. We're not wanting to be on the same team, but defensive. That was really like our dance before. And that's so important. Right. And you, and everyone feels that your kids feel that like, the kids, man, I say they're pickup artists. Like we never yelled or fought, but they were like picking up our energy. And I'm like, Oh yeah. no. Oh. Yeah. 
Well, this has been so helpful. I know this is going to help so many women. And why don't you just, before we go, tell everybody where they can find you on the wide world web (laughs) (laughs) and um, what it is that you do and how they can work with you. Absolutely. So you can find me on TikTok and Instagram on its.kendrawilliams. And I call myself a motherhood coach, but I really bring in the tools and talk a lot about my story through matrescence, which is the inner transformation that us women go through when the mom hat gets put on and all of the expectations of the world get put on you. It's like, wait, but I thought I was me. Now I'm a mom. So I do a lot of matrescence work and conscious parenting, which is also a very inner inner reparenting journey of using your parenting triggers to help you find your truest self in motherhood. So right now I do one-on-one coaching for mothers and you can, again, find me on its.kendrawilliams on both Instagram and TikTok. Okay, cool. And you'll have some exciting new stuff launching in 2023, right? Absolutely. Group stuff. Cool. Yeah, I'll have uh, group programs and my own podcast will be launching next year called The Mother Shift. So I'm very excited for all the things to come. I love it. Okay. So definitely go check Kendra out. She's actually so fun to follow because she's always making the most entertaining reels and TikToks. That's not my jam, but I'm learning from Kendra. Don't worry. (laughs) Um, So that's it for today, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Kendra. It was such a great pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. Okay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Gen X Woman's Guide to Love podcast. If you liked this episode, I would be so honored if you'd share it with someone who you know is looking for love. And if you're ready to take this work even deeper, I invite you to head on over to shondahoward.com forward slash free, where you can download your free meditation to attract your soulmate.